Hi, welcome to Rocks Where It Sucks. My name is Carl Kuhn. You may know me from my various music projects, Museum Mouth, Gay Meat, and my slight involvement with the band Say Anything. Hello, my name is Becca High, and today I'm drinking a watermelon-flavored LaCroix. Nice. Very good flavor. Underrated, <laughs> honestly. Um, <laughs> and today is incredibly exciting. I like hesitate to even mention this or bring this up, but we're actually joined by an iconic guest and someone who we've jokingly been referring to as the only friend of the pod for the past few months. Uh, <laughs> we're actually joined by none other than Ian Cohen. Ian, how the fuck are you? Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to be on the pod, but like I'm also kind of in a defensive sort of crash because I think this is probably the least popular album that we've ever talked that's ever been discussed on this show right I don't think so no, okay, no definitely good. not all right but Re- yeah. remember we did we did the muscles album we did oh, that oh, we did gosh. guns Babes, lemonade <laughs> <laughs> yes okay I would say that one's a little bit more niche than this but nonetheless <laughs> you know uh, I'm super excited to be on the pod it's an honor to be here and you know it's uh, I'm just really looking forward to seeing uh I mean what it was like to be a teenager when this stuff came out because like i've all i think it's no secret that like i guess my tastes tend to run a bit parallel to people five to ten years younger than myself and so <laughs> when i heard james on the last episode the first question was like oh what was your life like and this is like fuck i'm gonna have to like tell people what i was doing in in 2009 so uh i mean yeah. i'm personally dying to know what life was like for you in 2009 okay so but in 2009, um, so I, I'm, I've been pretty open as far as, you know, the fact I've been, like, sober for, like, the last 10 years of my life. And 2009 was kind of the beginning of the end, so to speak. So I was working at a talent management company in Hollywood, more accurately, Burbank, um, working in the comedy realm. And so my life at that time was... Um, I would watch like this is it's so interesting to watch like Bo Burnham like you know become this icon of comedy this year because when I was getting started in 2009 like this is when he was first putting out like YouTubes of uh, and Funny or Die type stuff and I would be watching like funny like hours of Funny or Die material like per day. And like wishing I was dead, really, and then going I was going to say that sounds worse than purgatory. <laughs> yeah, and then going out at night to like I don't know the Chuckle Hut in North Hollywood to like see just terrible comedians who I was supposed to sign to, um, you know, album deals that they didn't need, and this was all in the interest of starting doing like this this comedy digital distribution startup which you know into it's extremely successful now like it actually helps distribute i think like several of the best comedy albums in the grammys any given year but like at the time like my job was to go out and try to sign every single person on the face of the earth uh straight up long tail stuff at amazon um it was it yeah you know add that to a terrible drinking problem and an expense account and it was not very sustainable although parallel to that uh i was really on top of my game as a music writer man i was really cutting edge at that time i mean it was the hegemony of uh gap d i think it was called grizzly bear animal collective dirty projectors all that and um 
and also chill wave and you know bands like the ones we're discussing today so you know best of times the blurst of times as you know as it's been said before so <laughs> the blurst of times yeah well Ian, i had i never <laughs> i never would have guessed any of those words that just came out of your mouth would ever come out of your mouth and i'm obsessed with that that is i had no idea that you were part of the comedy upstream at one point uh it was it was such a miserable time like you ask anyone who knew me back then and it, it i mean it was it was just it, it, it was a combination of exhilaration because, you know, you, you finally fail upwards and you get, you know, an expense account for the first time and you can give out your business card. And also it was like just humiliating. And like, I, I don't think I, 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 you know, the less said about it, the better. I just hope that my, my old boss doesn't somehow find this content and find it reflects poorly upon him. Well, if you ever need us to take it down, we've already signed a clause like that with Lily from from La 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 La. If the Arcade Fire ever asked her to go on tour, we're willing to take our episode of <laughs> the suburbs down. Awesome. Um, um, oh, but okay, su- so that the suburbs actually—that's funny because I reviewed that record, and like when I look back on that, I mean, if you read between the lines, like I'm just talking about like how miserable my life was at that time with that record in particular. It's just like, man, that that's a record that like hits me in a very very stupid place. Like I love that record to death, but it's like in a lot of ways it just speaks so much to being 30 years old and undergoing a crisis of confidence. Yes, I think there, we talked about this a little bit, where there's like a lot of projection onto a really thin, very loose narrative there, where it's just kind of like, okay, you're definitely reckoning with your childhood and not really anything else, like, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, But okay, so this is all just to say that we're, the three of us are gathered here on Zoom today (laughs) to discuss the debut album from a band called Symbol Z Guitars. The record is called Why There Are Mountains, and it came out in 2009. Yes. Wow. Okay, so Becca, I feel like we, or I... Ian, I think we kind of got a good a good atmosphere for what life was like for you. <laughs> Becca, what was life like for you yeah. in 2009? Um, as I've revealed in previous episodes, I don't remember much about 2009, <laughs> except I can assume I spent a lot of time listening to my iPod, and this record was on there. So there you go. Did you all. find this on your own, or do you think you got it from Graham? I was thinking about that yesterday, and I really have no idea. I should have asked him, but I have not. (laughs) I love that. I I only asked because, like, this feels like a record that got brought to me by my very pitchfork-friendly friends and people (laughs) that were, like, obsessed with math rock in my my sphere at the time, which is funny because this is not math rock at all. It's kind of math rock in like the, how the songs are composed, in my opinion, because some mm-hmm. of them are kind of patchworky and a little all over the place. But um, it definitely was not something I found organically on my own. I think it was brought to me by like a Graham or a, say, Corey Blackburn or someone like that in my life. Um, but this is funny because this is a record that I definitely loved when it came out. I was like, okay, I'm into this. This is exciting. This is cool. This is very capital I indie rock. But I fell off with this band during Lenses Alien, came back for Lose, and then literally like was shitting my pants when Pretty Years came out. I was like, <laughs> uh, it was like they released that record the same year that we released Popcorn Fish and Museum Mouth. And I was like texting Greg Horrible like every day, being oh, like, I, I want to tour. I want to tour with Simple Z Guitars. I want to tour with Simple Z Guitars. And of course, Greg never did me a favor once in his life. And it didn't happen. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe one day. Maybe uh, we'll get to tour the empty country. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I it's funny because Symbol Z guitars. I think in 2014. The, yeah, it, no, it was 2015. Like they were starting to pivot more towards, um, like kind of the more emo sphere. Like I saw them open up for a show that included modern baseball and um, say anything. Yes, they I, they announced that tour like right as I was like befriending Max, and I was like, uh-huh. oh my god, like if this band that just put out this record I love is going to become part of this world, then I have to join in this world. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to Joe more than a few times. Um, you know, just emailing him throughout his career, just um, and you know, th- they had very interesting things to say about you know what it was like to play shows with um, uh, bands like that as compared to like you know, the usual, like, playing... Like, I mean, they historically have just played shows with, like, nobody in there. And I think that's kind of a narrative that's followed them, unfortunately, and also to Empty Country of, like, just having absolutely... Like, just falling in between so many different genres and scenes. And and then they started to play with these uh, band... I think... I think they opened for brand new once. Um, yes, yeah, okay. they did. And I remember Joe saying it was like it was unfucking believable, like the amount of people that were there and like what you have access to, and um, you know that that taste of it got them to say, you know what, we'll we'll tour with modern baseball, you know, any port in a storm. Yeah, it's a that's I I can kind of relate to that with like my own band where it just feels like we don't really fit like one scene and it's it is debilitating at times in terms of like what am i doing here how did i get here will i ever see a green room this nice again you know (laughs) one of those sorts of narratives but um it's just funny it's just funny how like especially today like if you look at the twitter timeline today there's all this debate about poptimism and it's funny how like i feel like that almost affected this band's output as more time went on um I don't know. There's a lot to be said about like song structure with these, yeah. these people writing these well, songs. But. Yeah, I think Joe, um, and I mean, he's been very open about this. Nothing I share here will be like proprietary information, but <laughs> you look at like what happened with Lenses Alien, which is known for uh, being this very difficult, twisty, like kind of covert ops emo album that <laughs> yes. just more or less tanked their career at the time. Uh, and Joe, that's what Joe will say. It's like, they won't yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I can't play these songs unless I get like super drunk. And also I'm not going to play them. Uh, Period. I, yeah. I, I saw them in 2017, maybe on the last symbols tour. And I don't think they played any songs from lenses alien. Um, but you know, after that, it was like every time Joe would be very open. It's like this album needs to get, some kind of traction or I got to shut this band down. Like it, there's no way I can continue to do it. And, um, you know, that, 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 that was the narrative that was put in place for like lose and pretty years. And, um, and they would just get just far enough to make the next record just to like do it all over again. And, you know, have to do the same interviews about how much of a struggle it is to be an indie rock band that like just misses out on the festival circuit. Um, yeah. I, and I think that overtook them, you know, in a way to the point where Joe had to start this new band that had even worse luck. Than, uh, <laughs> I I am right there in that sphere, but I'm not part of that narrative. So yeah. don't drag me into it. I'm not, um, no. uh, <laughs> yeah. But that record, the Empty Country record is amazing. Yeah, OK, awesome. I feel like we we simply I feel like you and I, I feel like the three of us in general could talk about this band 
the house down like for the next 200 years um i just found out that becca 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 admitted right before we started recording that this is the only album by this band she's ever listened to yeah what happened yeah i don't know i don't know i uh you know my ipod got stolen at one point and um you know just recently just now i revisited this record and i was like wow yeah i really love them and then was looking on spotify and i was like oh wow yeah they kept going yeah. <laughs> isn't that the truth you know that's that's kind of why i picked this record just because of that sort of narrative of um you know that their first record was the one that got the most hype um the most acclaim so, sort of kind of um but and then they just kind of kept going, you know. I think you guys did. Um, you guys did. Pains being pure at heart belong on a previous, and they had kind of a similar thing where it's like they their first two records were very uh, hyped up, and they got to do the festival circuit, and they kept going. But you know, with each one kind of doing a little bit less and less, and um, this is why I just kind of love this podcast because it focuses on this uh, time frame, which is. Um, you know, like for lack of a better term, blog rock supremacy. A band like Symbol Z Guitars, um, they can get. Um, I'll go into a little story about like their, like how they kind of came to a claim. You know, this is, I guess, why you bring the Pitchfork writer on. But um, I was going to say, I feel like it has to do probably with you <laughs> a little bit. So what happened is, I, I would argue that um, this record. Uh, why there are mountains might be the last of the blog rock records um as far not so much as in sound but like as far as how it goes from we discovered it like i think wind phoenix was the song that was on their myspace page like it was i think if you go back to the original track review or whatever like it the embedded stream is probably their myspace page so i think mark richardson may have just it was i think it was him or chris caskey back at the time discovered the um discovered them on their myspace page like it was straight up myspace and then they self-released this album and you, you know it got like the the low best new music like a eight three i think and um and it and blog rock to me is just you go get discovered on myspace or this tiny little label you get like so, a, a pitchfork review that all of a sudden like automatically vaults you into this upper not an upper echelon but a new echelon and like i think their sixth show ever was at pitchfork festival in 2009 and you know joe would talk about like how he was just blowing out his voice every single night like no idea how to tour like they had to put everything together and um yeah i think that's sort of what like i after symbols eat guitars i can't think of too many bands that had a similar you know go from unknown to best new music to being playing festivals and things like that. Like maybe antlers like that. I, I, I think those two are the ones that I think of when it comes to like tail end of blog rock right there. Well, I feel like it has just kind of, I feel like that narrative has just kind of shifted and it is like definitely the end of like capital B blog rock. <laughs> but I feel like there are still artists like to this day that it's like are so unversed in like what it is to be like a touring artist in to any capacity oh, yeah. and still can like put out like an amazing debut album and their like fourth show will be something massive like that and yeah. i feel like i don't i i feel like i'm like almost like a scholar on like mike from perfume genius and like his rise to right. like 
like fame, but I feel like it's something similar to that, where it's like one of their first shows was in like Paris, which is insane to think yeah. about. Yeah. And but it's just like I don't I don't know. And then there's like I feel like there's a new version of that with like with I hate to say it, Ian Cohen, but with like what you're doing with like the modern emo bands on Pitchfork <laughs> and like the critical reevaluation of modern emo, where it's like some of these ki- the literal kids, like literal kids, are getting like amazing Pitchfork like scores, and yeah. it like puts them, if not in like an actual like some sort of like feel like real physical like measurable echelon it definitely puts them in like an ego meshalon meshalon <laughs> i love the i love the term meshalon i'm about yeah. to literally trademark that yeah um, but i think there is kind of a difference though and i've seen it with my own eyes there's a there's a major difference between like what like symbols the guitars are doing and like what um you know i've seen ton like you blew it for example or like that's a band i think of that had you know would be able to play like decent shows but nothing to the degree of you know what someone like symbol z guitars might have gotten back in the day or like i'm just thinking of like you know waves playing primavera uh that i think is (laughs) like they they don't get that level like i think yes I, I, i think the hotel year got to play primavera but also they had been around for a while but otherwise I don't think any of the uh, newer fourth or fifth wave emo bands, like almost none of them have like experienced that, um, you know, bump uh, to like play every festival uh, and, and and so forth. So, I mean, it it does have maybe an ego bump, but definitely not the financial bump. Yeah, it's still like some some version of winning the lottery. I just think the jackpot is a little lower now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get like that well, sc- that scratch and win that gets you enough to like buy the next ticket. You know? Yes, it's very very that. Okay, wow, I'm having insane deja vu, which is funny because I feel like Ian, I've not spoken to you since like 2016. Which yeah, I don't know why I'm having deja vu, but I love it. Um, yeah, we saw okay. each other at what like the uh, I think it was the Teen Suicide show or something like that. Yeah, my band, you know, famously my band was on that tour. Yeah. We played a beautiful set and it was amazing. It was actually, I feel like that was one of the worst shows on that tour, but it was still really fun because LA is fucking crazy. Yeah. Especially when you're from rural North Carolina, but. <laughs> okay, let's dive into the track listing, shall yes. we? Right. Okay. Okay, okay. So the album opens with a beautiful song called Dot 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 and the Hazy Sea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. like, that's the one that like that is just such an awesome like you know what you're getting into from the very moment. Like that like I think to this day they might open with like if there were ever Symbol Z guitar shows, they might still open with that song. It's crazy. It's so it's right off the bat. And I feel like this band is like almost famous for opening records with iconic intro songs. Mm -hmm. Like every album, it's like it's always like a big swing and it is rarely a miss. Yeah. Um, But okay, Becca, how do you feel about In the Hazy Sea? Uh, It's great. (laughs) It's um, it's such a good opener and it's six minutes long, but it doesn't feel that way and i me- i immediately get built to spill vibes with like the opening guitar melody mm-hmm. and then when the shalalas come in i get like a little <laughs> bit of new pornographers vibes in there weirdly enough and then mix that with modest mouse and today was the first time i sat down and read all the lyrics to these songs and i can't believe these are lyrics to songs it it <laughs> reads like very sophisticated poetry literature um and also the pacing slash cadence 
of his delivery of the lines. It's like, in this song, it's not very intuitive. Like, if you try to sing along, you couldn't if you were literally along. horrible horrible karaoke song <laughs> yeah one of the worst yeah. karaoke songs no demand yeah it's just like the timing of his vocal delivery in a lot of these songs i think is so interesting and just like not intuitive for anyone else at all and also of course i love like the explosion of sound at like towards the end um just the cacophony of sound is so satisfying to me I definitely, definitely agree. I feel like, um, in terms of the in terms of the lyrics, it's incredibly wordy, and I think that some of that vocal melody delivery that makes it so, um, you know, characteristically this. It's kind of I hate to be this guy, but I'm just like it. Kind of just feels like a young band like feeling out writing songs, and I don't like mean that in like any sort of like weird like. I'm not like knocking anyone <laughs> or anything like that, but it's just like one of those things. Like especially with this band specifically now, like having seen their career and how it panned out, like I feel like that just all got ironed out really smooth as time went on. They leaned further away from doing that sort of um, melodically. I think Joe did, but um, I, it works here. It, this is just to me, like this record is so, it's throwing so many ideas at the wall and there so many of them stick. And I feel like they continue to just improve on those ideas that stuck with this as this band goes on. Maybe if they take a slight detour on Lenses Alien, but there's a lot, this is a great intro for like the future of this band in my opinion yeah this one um yeah i never really thought about like them as like a lyrics band at that time um i but in retrospect i, I look back on this one and the lyrics are just as sophisticated as they were on lenses like lenses aliens took things more in a like a surrealist direction and like lose and pretty years were more direct and referential but um like you were saying i mean they, this is just an incredibly sophisticated like frighteningly accomplished first song from a self-released band. like it like it's just kind of hard to believe that this is their first song i think ever um and yeah it just it just grips it, it just it, it, it lets you know like what reference points they're dealing with but also like the level of craft and um you know even if this record is kind of slid in estimation for me like i think i'd put it maybe as their third best record um sometimes maybe even their fourth i find lenses aliens maybe more interesting but it's still like they're all really really good yes truly an amazing intro track to an amazing introduction for an amazing band yeah like they just really again a huge swing that and a home run it's yeah. psycho good mm-hmm. um okay i think this song rocks it rocks yes all right track two we've got some trees in parentheses merit moon mm-hmm. I think if you would have asked me um, two weeks ago what my favorite song on this record was, I would have said this. It has now Ooh. since changed in revisiting it so um, completely in the past 24 hours. But this song, I love this song. I will say this does fall victim to my biggest pet peeve, which is when a song opens with the word and, because that makes no <laughs> fucking sense. But uh, this one gets a pass because like the literally the way the way the verse ramps up into the chorus is so good i like get chills yeah it's so good yeah i just i i just i would love to hear i guess the demos or just him workshopping through this because this does not like you know like Beck was saying it, it's not very it, it's not very intuitive but like you kind of have to write this way 
Like, it, it, I don't think you can fake that sort of or, like, intentionally do that sort of ramp up. I would just, like, love to hear Joe with an acoustic guitar just working out, like, how, like, did it, was this, like, was this, um, like, how it started out immediately or did he have to develop it? Like, I don't know. Like, empty the vaults, Joe, if you're listening. <laughs> Joe, you better be listening. Yeah, get the, get the, get the, when we do the deluxe reissue of, uh, you know, Sybil Z guitars, maybe for like the 10 year anniversary of uh, Lenses Alien, which is coming up. Like, we want to hear the demos. Get on that we bar. Do. Get on that bar suck records. Uh, yes. <laughs> also, Joe, if you ever want to come on the pod, you're always welcome. Okay, Becca, how do you feel about some trees? Uh, it rocked. <laughs> for it being, I think it's the shortest song on yeah. the album. There's like so 240. Many, there's so many twists and turns like crammed in and it's just i think it's one of the most like dynamic songs on the planet it makes no (laughs) sense but it works and it's so good that's yeah (laughs) the drumming the drumming on these first two songs is so fun yeah like yeah as a drummer who hates to play drums listening to this has made me like oh my god maybe i'll set my kid up (laughs) (laughs) okay i think some trees absolutely rocks yeah yeah yep all right <laughs> track track three is a song called indiana ah uh, yes the good old yeah, okay th- this is really where they prove their uh prove their metal as e- e- emo covert ops you know making i a song love indie. i i just love that you have this opinion about this band that they're emo covert ops so. i think that yeah <laughs> that, that's like kind of a, a a term i've i've used in the past for bands that like kind of have characteristics of that stuff but like for whatever reason weren't lumped in it because no one was really using that term but um indiana uh, my, my my experience with this song is that you know it was maybe like one of the lesser songs to me in the beginning but i actually spent i had to spend a weekend in evansville indiana as part of a um i was at i was at the kentucky academy for nutrition and dietetics this is my job now this is nothing to do with comedy but uh it was in the western part of the state of kentucky which borders indiana and so there are no airbnbs in paducah kentucky but there are in evansville indiana and so i would spend (laughs) i spent that time just um just driving through this kind of barren ex-urban town and um i I was uh, listening to this record and indiana came up and i'm like oh this makes sense and i i i thought of it similar to like, it was a song that I you might hear on the suburbs, you know? Um, like, I made a mix at that time of everything I was listening to, and the first song on that mix is The Suburbs, the title track, and the next one is Indiana. So, um, okay. for I have forever, you know, even if this band is, like, from Staten Island and they sound like Pacific Northwest, and it's a little bizarre for them to make a song about Indiana. They also have another song about Notre Dame, which I, I don't know Joe's... Um, you know, experience in that state. But yeah, this one is kind of, this one has like, it's got a Midwestern spirit to it. So I've learned to appreciate this song a lot more now. It definitely, yeah, it it does. It has like a funny bounce to it, which I think is really cute. And I think Joe in general is someone who, from like a songwriting perspective, I I love and respect so much because I feel like he, he writes from what seems to be a very researched POV, Mm. like especially with like character songwriting, where it's just kind of like, how do you even like put yourself in this fictional or maybe not fictional mm-hmm. person's shoes? It's very interesting and very crazy to me. He's wildly talented. Um, 
this song is fu- I literally I love the misdirect of the song starting off like kind of ambient noisy. Oh my god, I love yeah. it. And yeah. then yeah, like literally weird. becoming like nine in the afternoon by fucking panic on the disco. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm like, okay, what is this piano tone along? There's like a very generic organ that comes in and it's mm. rockabilly. Oh, <laughs> for man. a second, for a second, it touches on some rockabilly. Oh lord. But it's good. <laughs> maybe oh, that, lord. Maybe, maybe they should have chased that like demographic because that is one loyal demographic, you know, like send it over to Mike Ness and like play all the social distortion shows and, you know, <sighs> Like, God. yeah, he's barking up the wrong tree, like opening for guys like Bob Mould. You really need to get that Mike Ness audience. You know, it's not. Yeah. If you're, if you're giving up on cred, but you want that loyalty. I mean, Symbol <laughs> Z Guitars could have been that band opening up for that show I saw announced today, which is Dropkick Murphy's Rancid in the Bronx. Maybe All right, get- I'm about to end this Zoom right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fucking, that's harrowing, honestly. Yeah. I, I envision myself just like passing by and getting like the shit stomped out of me by like uh, uh, by by rancid fans or whatever. Yeah, but yes, by the quintessential rancid fan, they exact, look a certain way. Yeah, and Dropkick Murphys fans. But that being said, if you crack that audience, you are touring. You are you have a you have a built-in audience that can sustain like a really successful career for like the next thirty years of your life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Forget optimism. We're doing rockabillyism now. No. <laughs> no. Is that that optimism was already if, 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 if we can if we can rehabilitate Scott in twenty twenty one. No, rock- but we can't we can't though. Oh, I'm God. sorry to interrupt you. We cannot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rockabilly's like the last frontier as far as I'm concerned. Like <laughs> at least Scott frontier. like had credibility. You know, Scott does have like inherent credibility. Rockabilly, I just don't know if you can like if, who, I, who wants to be that like who wants to be that guy i cannot believe i invited someone on my podcast that's talking about the merits of ska right now this is uh, truly but like this uh, rockabilly's okay but ska's a bridge too far i gotcha rockabilly <laughs> is yeah well they're both they're equally bad uh, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> um Lord. also the, i'm so glad that you brought up the dietitian thing because i know this about you and i was going to ask ian <laughs> yes so um today i ate an entire family-sized bag of chips for lunch how do you feel about that uh how i feel about it is that i'm not on the clock man if i if you want, if you want to, if you want to ask me questions about like diet and so forth, man, that's gonna cost you, man. I ain't giving you, I ain't giving you the museum mouth discount, man. Okay, no, nah, I'm all playing. Oh, no, all, all foods fit. If there's any takeaway from that, by all means, do it. Okay, all, all foods, all foods fit, man. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, <laughs> Becca, how do you feel about Indiana? It rocks. It rocks, it period. Rocks. Okay, rocks. we all agree. Indiana Yay. fucking rocks. All right, track four is a song called Cold Spring. Ian, how do you feel about Cold Spring? So Cold Spring is, um, yeah, it's, it's it, it was for a while my favorite song in the record. I think it uh, kind of sets the, I guess, like what they would explore more on Lenses Alien. I do like that um, minor chord that begins it. Um, like it's sort of like oh i can pick up my guitar and hopefully it's in uh standard tuning i can learn to play this but um i think this one after you know indiana and merit moon which are in a way i mean as twisty as they are they're still they still like rock in very uh you know very obvious ways this one kind of confirmed to me that like you know there's like 
what you the 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 opening song is always gonna rock. I mean, like, have you guys done an episode where the first song sucked? That's actually a great question. Yeah. <laughs> so it's usually it's usually by the fourth track that I can tell if a record's gonna be like, okay, is this one that I could strip mine for like songs to put on mixes, or is this one that's like going to be a full on experience? And Cold Spring was really the one that uh, confirmed to me that. Um, like I am definitely listening to this one all the way through it the first time. I, uh, I remember listening to this song when I was on, um, I was in Maui and, um, I felt like it that was a good place to listen to this record because it's like kind of, it's got this like topographic sort of feel where it just, there's so many peaks and valleys and I was driving on the mountain. And of course the person who I was with in the car at the time, she told me to turn it off because it was stressing her out. <laughs> Uh, she's kind of allergic to Modest Mouse voice, so uh, yeah. So yeah, Cold Spring, Cold Springs, what definitely one of my favorites on this one. Oh, I love that. I love the that you mentioned the the topography of it all because literally, even in the title of the record, oh yeah, which, well, it's right, it's right there. Mm. Okay, Becca, how do you feel about Cold Spring? Uh, I texted you earlier today asking what band this reminds me of that is not cymbals and guitars it's just a vocal melody that um i searched and searched you offered up at the drive-in oh wow which i'm like okay yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah um, I, it has like that acrobatic tenement thing where like cedric is like hitting sustained notes in like one register then hops up for like a couple near the end of the line mm-hmm. the on the way home. it's like very yeah. that vibe wow yeah. Yeah, when the there's a music breakdown after the line, um, I am Bear Mountain, I am entering Orbit O, that absolutely fucks that I like. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, that's, that, that to me is like the, maybe the highlight on the record of like, I am entering Orbit, like that line. It's just, it, it, it gives, just it just lends this record this like real cosmic scope that, um, like, I don't think, a, like, even amongst the, you know, the blog rock heavy hitters, I think that Symbols E Guitar stood out as a band that thinked a little more cosmically. And I think that's where the Modest Mouse comparisons make sense to me. Just there's this um, almost like psychedelic, uh, like being high in the uh, planetarium sort of lyrical approach that really that but that was a, that was actually what he was doing on Lens's Alien. But I think you could hear it start here. For sure. It's like it is it's a stoner imagery, but it does not take place on Earth. It takes yeah. place in the solar system, which is we love that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, okay. One last thing is that in your pitchfork review, oh, Ian, wow. you mentioned <laughs> that a lot of these are like songs within songs. Yes. And I feel like uh, a lot of the time bands will try to do that in in an effort to make an otherwise boring song <laughs> more interesting mm-hmm. but in the case of this record that is not the issue like they're already interesting songs mm-hmm. and they do the whole ramping up and changing it around and stuff like that but very successfully and just like I'm interested and then like okay now I'm more interested it's just it's so good 
Yeah, can I just mention though that like saying I read your pitchfork review, especially it's from two thousand nine, is one of the most mortifying things I can hear. <laughs> like when 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 the pitchfork reviews explored debuted, like I was joking with some people. It's like fuck, man. Like, ugh. Like, I, 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 it's I'm, really I'm, good. Uh, I'm mortified. You're good by, at what you do, Ian. Uh, You're good at what you do. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't. I can't relate fully, you know, to musicians who talk about like their debut albums, you know, like hearing that and like thinking, oh, my God, what was I thinking? But like, man, I don't want to make that stuff like more accessible to people. <laughs> like, you know, I know they got rid of stuff from like 1999 or earlier. It's like, why can we like move that up a decade? As a matter of fact, like just like make it like tweet aside where you can like just purge like your entire like Twitter account from like two months, you know, like anything older than two months. Just get rid of that archive. I yes, but we would, need it because uh, we've discussed how all the other articles from <laughs> at this time are so bad. Yes, oh, we gosh. have we have really truly delved into that. This was like such an era for like the mean review. Uh, but I was writing a lot of those. <laughs> well, this one was a good one, yeah. so we'll focus on this one. Yeah. I literally am addicted to the archaeology of it all, where it's like you should really have to actually physically go out and dig to find two thousand nine reviews. That would be helpful, I think. <laughs> okay, right. I think this song absolutely rocks. Firm rocks for I, me. I'm going to say the song fucks. Okay, go there. Ian, you're allowed to say a song fucks if it's oh, beyond cool. rocks. Yeah, this one fucks. If I had to like lay out one fucks on this record, it would be this one. Okay, sickening, sickening, sickening. Uh, track five is a song called Share. I personally am going to have to listen to a second of this because I... This is where oh. I start to lose my mind. So this album is mixed by friend, friend of the pod. A friend of mine, <laughs> Mr. Kyle Slick Johnson. Yeah, uh, which like, it's mixed pretty like straightforward, but this is the first time where I'm, I was like, oh, this, this is something interesting is happening <laughs> here. And it's within the first two seconds of the mix with his vocals. Oh. Yeah, that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've forgotten kind of. I've forgotten a lot of the titles of the songs, um, but yeah, share them like because the next one's also kind of slow as well. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, this one is like I, it is definitely not the. It, it's definitely not like the the one that's gonna blow that was blowing up the blogs in two thousand nine. But I think it just uh, shows that they 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 think of themselves as like an album band, um, mm -hmm. you know that like. It, 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 it appeals to people who like, you know, like to think of indie rock as being an album format. Mm -hmm. You could tell that Joe definitely like that's how he ingested a lot of music yeah. in this lane. Mm -hmm. And he like he like very much was like wise to how an album should be paced, could be paced, could yeah. be like arranged for maximum impact. Mm -hmm. The song definitely is like very much wearing that ribbon on its sleeve. Mm hmm. Um, what do you think this song is about? Let's look at the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> let's look, let's look, let's look. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, are, are we are we about to get on like some genius.com shit where we're like Oh, we're always on yeah. we uh this this it's podcast is basically about, sponsored by genius.com. Yeah, it's probably about girls or something. Like that's Oh my god. Yeah. No, I'm kidding, man, but that's like the that, that is like the that is like the default. Uh, no, that's more of a songmeanings.com sort of thing where if you yeah. look up the lyric, like that was pre-genius and every time it would be like, yeah, I think it's about a breakup or something. Whereas genius.com <laughs> is a lot, you know, for all the shit that that website takes, they actually, it's not as embarrassing, you know? Yes, I agree with that statement. We just did How How Gaff Gaff by the Shout Out Louds and oh, some wow. of the funniest genius annotations in the world are on those songs. Wow. That, yeah, I'll have to check that out. That is not a genius annotation <laughs> that I would expect. <laughs> no, it's seemingly very random. All right. Um, let's think. I don't know what this song is about. I worry that the last little couplet, it makes it bad. It makes it problematic. I think, yeah, I think it's about murder. Oh. <laughs> I think it's about murder. It's about murdering someone. Oh, it says the person who's uh, literally obsessed with watching what NCIS, right? Criminal Minds, right now. What is your no? Current, what is your murder show that you Law Order SVU? Oh, okay. Anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> I think the song is fine. Mm-hmm. I think it rocks. Okay. I. Uh, I'm a sucker for just uh, more ambient, just noisy, beautiful songs. Yeah, I think this one, it it rocks, but like a a softer (laughs) rock than, you know, say I would give to some trees. Okay, sickening. That's very, I can handle that. Okay, we are on to track six, What Dogs See. Yes, you were incredibly right. This very much starts out meandering. Mm. Um, it kind of has like uh, what is that called when you have a song in the middle of your record that's an interlude it has like interlude (laughs) vibes at the beginning which means Um, yeah but on this record that means it's only four minutes as opposed to like five or seven (laughs) yes also I'm addicted to Joe literally standing dogs he is a canine advocate there is dog imagery on like every symbols record oh yeah down to even just the cover of this Mm. oh yeah Wait, which cover? Because, like, both the... Yo, as much as I love this record, both the cover... Like, they... Symbol Z guitars just that. I don't think they've made a single good album cover. You're going to say that about Lose in Pretty Years? <sighs> They're not... I, I, I'm not, not a fan. Ian. What? Is this... Is, I had no idea this was such a controversial take. It's not, but it is in my opinion. Okay. I don't think it's like a widely shared opinion. I love the cover of Lewis is like so cool. Mm. It's so cool. The the chords wrapped around the head. It's so cool. Okay, uh, I we we that's we're not here to talk about that. Right. I think that the the original album cover of this, the like colored pencil drawing, is it's so of the time. Yeah, and definitely. I feel like it. It's like one of those things where I really got to know this record. Like I in- learned about it with that cover, and then like when I revisit it, obviously it's the updated cover. But yeah. like seeing seeing the original cover today, I'm like, God, this like it really it like it endears me to this record in a way that I'm like endeared to like Teen Suicide, for example. Huh. Where it's like that kind of like it's like it's like a fine arts cover, but it's not like like crazy over the top like capital a like think about this art it's like almost kind of twee in it yeah and it's delivery it's kind of beautiful i love that kind of shit and they were so young it just fits the narrative i think all right okay <laughs> but enough about that becca what do you think about what dogs see um 
I love I love the instrumentals going on in the song. His vocal effect goes so perfectly hand in hand with that because he's like whispering at first, mm-hmm. uh, and then when he gets a little louder, there's like the most beautiful reverb on his voice. The the music that happens after the line filled gaps between stars and the night sky voids crystallize makes me smile. It's another like it's so beautiful it makes me want to cry sort of moment and also inspires me to actually sit down and work on my own music <laughs> mm-hmm. um I, this is just like it's it's it, it's all it's just ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay ian what do you think about what dogs see yeah i think it works as like an interlude um you know within the record especially um with what comes next like on it if in isolation you know this is maybe like it, it, it neither rocks nor sucks it just kind of sets the table for the next thing but uh with the next song that comes up you know which i would assume like when phoenix being the song that kind of made them um yeah i would say that it does a good job of getting you know what like working within a album trajectory mm-hmm it's like yeah it's like the kicker ramp right before the beautiful um yeah. evil knievel jump across the canyon right. exactly i think the song rocks honestly all right mm-hmm. i love the lyrics the imagery in the lyrics yeah. is really good it's very very beautiful okay track seven wind phoenix in parentheses proper, proper name, name. <laughs> proper name Be- uh, ian can you tell me why that occurs on the next record as well the proper name of it all uh, i don't know man but once again it's like win phoenix parenthetical proper name like that is once again emo covert ops man like <laughs> the, that proper name and also doing it like self-referential but um so yeah this is the song that in- initially got them attention and um i mean it is like a very catchy 2009 you know state-of-the-art indie rock song but like i don't think i've really sat down and read the lyrics for quite some time and gosh man this is it they're so dense um you know i'm his liver i'm gray and decaying and you know the one that caught my ear is about like watching notre dame football and i think this is you know there's a line about gaslighting in here how about that i never yes i know he was way ahead of his time yeah yeah so i mean but yeah this is it's yeah, I, I think that this is a real, it, it, almost as much as MAZC, like a strong introduction from a band that like is of its time. And how did we get to song seven and not mention the Renz yet? Like that. that yes. <laughs> like this is the band that more or less birthed uh, Symbol Z guitars. Um, I think uh, Charles um, taught him how to play guitar. Uh, they have a lot of lyrics about the Renz on Lose. Um, mm-hmm. the similar hard luck these guys just can't catch a break story um, and yeah I mean I think that this kind of goes back to you know a concept of like 90s indie rock where you uh, it, it just has like more of like kind of a stoner sort of like a kind of a stoner shaggy or kind of vibe to it but not in the way that I, like 2009 was like chill wave you know like not that <laughs> kind of stoner yeah, it's not vibe central. It's no. like it's like get high and think central. Exactly. Like uh anxiety neuroses vibes, the bad high. Um, yeah. I 
the rant of it all is crazy to me where it's like i obviously i i had never like heard that band i'm like i'm bad with my indie rock pedigree oh my god ian you look like you're about to shoot me <laughs> no nah, um, it's cool dude i i, I i'm just fake I'm, I'm faking outrage come on okay okay good 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 uh love that for us and our beautiful dynamic but um i like did some listening today and i like obviously having like worked a little bit with joe in the past I like know of the lore and how those two bands are so intertwined at this point now. And um, I like did a little bit of Ren's digging just so I didn't sound like a total noob. And I was like, literally uh, from the second it started, I was like, oh my God, yes, I get it now completely. It's not even, it's not covert. It's not a covert emo thing. It's like a very obvious thing. The meta um, I went back man, just you, you get people my age like a, of my taste talking about the Meadowlands. And I mean, like it's, hours on end just like oh man i re- really relate to this like it if i i the wrens may put out a new record in 2021 i almost hope they don't like i just the, <laughs> the i mean a i would love to hear it but like it, the expectations i have for it are just like so stratospheric because like the meadowlands like I, I was in law school when that album came out and I felt like, Oh, I, this, this album really speaks to my experience. Like it's about like being broke as fuck in a band and like having kids and like feel like a disappointment in life. And like how, I guess that's just like what it's like to be 23. Like you feel like your experience is like universal, you know? Ian, I cannot believe you just told us that you went to law school. Oh God. Like, yeah, this is, we're, we're just like run. We're not even like talking about this record anymore. We're just doing my whole LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah. No, I, did, I did, did, did it, graduated, passed the bar, and yeah, that that got me to um, that got me to 2009, where I was um, working in Hollywood and uh, completely miserable. So, you know, it all that the sto- story of my life, as uh, Social Distortion once wrote. <laughs> Really I'm off. literally about to black out. Oh, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm in Becca's jaw dropping when you say, I, yeah, I even passed the bar. Becca's jaw goes Poosh, through the floor. Yeah. That is, I am gagging. I'm losing my absolute mind. Um, I was going to, uh, just real quick, just to bring it back to the Rens for one millisecond. Yeah. I was like listening to the Rens and I was like, okay, like I can see that there's like similarities in vocal delivery between these two bands. And then I went back and listened to Chambers off of Lose. Yeah. And I was like, okay, jo- like Joe is like literally doing his best Rens impression on that song. It's like the top of his voice. It's like a little more nasally than his like normal voice, I would think, mm-hmm. or I would dare to say. And I was just like, wow, it's just so funny how obvious it is. but. Mm. I think Wind Phoenix is unbelievable. This yeah, is the song that, that I was saying. Yeah, this is definitely my current fave, which is funny to like revisit it. What 12 years after the fact and be like, oh yeah, like the big single. I love that song, <laughs> but I actually do. So Becca, how do you feel about Wind Phoenix? It rocks. <laughs> it rocks. It rocks. All right. Living North. I love Yes, Living North Track 8. Ian, I'm sorry for keeping you late. No, we'll, we'll yeah, I got this. I got about, like, uh, eight more minutes. <laughs> okay, Perfect. okay. We only yes. have two more songs. Yeah. All right. Ian, how do you feel about Living North? Living North is a song that, like, is, like, uh, it, when I think cosmically about album sequencing, I always love when a band puts, like, kind of the, the up-tempo, like, kind of banger towards the end of the record that, like, isn't, it's like a little inessential like jimmy world is the band that's kind of mastered this um Mm -hmm. and living north is a song that um you know it's 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 not the one i first think of when it comes to this record it's sort of like oh cool it's there 
Um, great song, but it's um, you know it's kind of a a buffer between uh, Wind Phoenix and What Dogs See. Um, you know, it's good, but it's um, I, I I don't think it's going to be the one that people if you know this band ever comes back, people will request. Um, but yeah, just but it's also a, a song that's like way more interesting when I look at the lyrics again. You know, like there is a metal divide between myself and this length in New in this lake in New Jersey. It's now granted like i've only lived adjacent to new jersey but for some reason i feel spiritually new jersey at times and so that's that's kind of why uh this this, uh, this you've written you've written enough about new jersey bands that you like you know the imagery you get you could truly draw a little map of some of these towns i feel I've, i've lived near new jersey i've traveled through it you know i feel like it's it's almost like uh, you get like an honorary degree if you like audited enough classes at like some school. It's like I feel like <laughs> I, I've like I've I've audited enough New Jersey to yeah you know, I, I guess speak on it. Yes, I love that. I think that it's funny that there's more dog imagery in this song, even though it's obviously about someone dying and then mm. the leash washing up. But like, I think a dog being such a loyal pet to a human being, and I think Joe focusing on that a lot, like endears me to his writing and what imagery he knows works um, for tugging at heartstrings and making something really emotional. Um, I think that's all I want to say about Living North. So Becca, talk to me. Yeah, all I, I want to say is just like, a capital R rock song. Yes, it's a banger. I feel like they they sneak one in on every record where it's just like you are capable of writing a four on the floor verse chorus verse chorus song if you if you put your mind to it. Yeah. It works for you. Okay, sick. So that brings us to What Dogs See. <laughs> wait, it's, no, wait, hold on. What's it's the like, last song? Like Blood Does. Oh, like Blood Does. Yeah, like oh. Blood Does, yes. What nah. Dogs See was the interlude song. All right. Yeah. Closing track, Ian. How do you feel about <laughs> like blood does? Oh my god! So if you just like some real like trivia about this record. So um, I remember when I wrote this review, um, there was a typo where I talked about the closer, and I for I, I apparently didn't put a C in there, so it originally read the loser, uh, <gasps> like as if the song were like. And granted, you know, like everyone thought it was funny because the uh you know review was otherwise so positive but yeah i i haven't thought about that uh you know since i guess for the past 12 years but um yeah just a, <laughs> a, a funny bit of trivia about that and like um but yeah this one is like it's it's my least favorite song on the record i think it kind of closes things down in a very logical way um but it also you know it's it's not the most compelling one to me or maybe it's just one where i need to like sit back and um you know reread the lyrics again i don't know that that makes sense to me becca how do you feel about this song uh i love a good solo electric guitar and singer moment Mm -hmm. it makes me want to see live music (laughs) um also he, I had to look up what dirigibles. Oh yeah! Was. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they're so smart. Um, <laughs> it's a blimp for yes, our listeners. Um, but but like after there's like a noise moment, and then we come around to like another intimate moment where it's just acoustic guitar and his vocals, um, which is like fine. The song just like. Mm-hmm. 
I'm kind of like with Ian on this, but I do love that it ends on a dissonant piano chord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that this record sets the scene for um, like when you look at the lyrics about like cops and um, you know clammy hands and hitchhiking across America or killers. Like it, a lot of this stuff was revisited on Lenses Alien. Like it's almost like this song, if you kind of twist it in knots and like put some drums under it, like this is where uh, Lenses Alien uh, owes its genesis. Yeah, we talk about that a lot on this pod where like because we're like talking about a lot of debut and sophomore albums and kind of like the touchstone that shows you where the band is headed. And I definitely 100 percent agree with you. I will say my take on this song is that typically by the time I get to this this part of the album, when I get to the end of this album, you've just heard so many Mm -hmm. wild music ideas that it's to like have kind of like a longer song in the closing spot that's also full of like a ton of like ideas it's just like i'm so worn out personally that it's like hard for me to invest in this as much as i'm investing in the songs like it in the first half of the record Mm -hmm. but i do think it's really great um and i think it rocks Mm -hmm. it rocks yeah i I don't think it it can be fine yeah you can say a song is fine it's fine there we okay, go. sickening. All right, that brings us to the end of the album. Does anyone have anything they want to say before we give our final verdicts? I think we've really, truly got it all out. Um, okay, cool. I'm going to count to three, and once I get to three, you're going to say either it rocks, it sucks, or it's fine, or it fucks. Okay, mm-hmm. ready? One, two, three, it, it rocks. Fucks. It fucks. Oh! Okay, he's standing by that best new music. Uh, That's right, man. I got I got quite a few that I probably you know want to re uh, want to re uh, shoot on, but this one I think holds up. I love that for you. It's the the other ones that I think uh, deserve a different score. But (laughs) (laughs) Ian, where can people find you online if they want to find you? I'm not hard to miss. Um, No, I'm playing. (laughs) Uh, It is at Ian E N underscore Cohen at Twitter. Once again, that's at e the letters e n underscore uh, at Twitter, and you can find me writing on Stereo Gum, Pitchfork, or The Ringer every now and again. Um, yeah, I'm just a citizen of music writer Twitter. What can I tell you? It's a great place to be, Ian. Is it though? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have Thanks my for doubts. coming. All right. Thanks for thanks. coming on the pod. All right. Yeah, thanks for thank having you. me, dude. We finished right on time. All right. Peace uh, out, y'all. Yeah. Gotta bounce. Bye. 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 It Rocks or It Sucks is produced and edited by Becca High and Carl Kuhn. It's mixed and mastered by Becca High. You can follow the pod on Instagram or Twitter at It Rocks or It Sucks. Thanks for listening and feel free to like, follow, rate, review, share, do whatever you want. Bye.